Last time on Base Funk. The barrier has been up for 50 years, and the population is about 50. Does the dossier say who hired us? Like, who, who our client? The warden? The person that you bring the bounties to, who is inside the White Spire, inside the lighthouse building, which is called the Sacrum. The criminal organization in Ilium are called the Lilies. Kind of a girl gang of fiends, which is a generic term for creatures which are native to the, the planes of reality that are inherently evil. That's who Roland owes the favor to. They are also the ones who control the inn. Is Leon's character considered undead? So I'm, I'm actually going to go with undead, which might be bad. Most notably, I can't heal him then. It looks like the warden's asking us to take care of someone who's engaging in necromancy, it seems, over in the Hawthorne house. So wait, you guys are bounty hunters? If you have the majority vote here, you're welcome to be in our ranks here, Zoe. I really mean it when I say I'm going to prove myself on this mission. Do you want me to add anything to the, the reward request? Do you have uh, diamonds worth about street market value 50 gold? The inn they've converted to kind of be a base of operations. It's called the Tarsus. So this character's name is Carrie, and she's a succubus. Roland uh, pulls out a small notebook and makes a note in it. Bumbershoot just made the list. This amplifies my telepathy. All you have to do is open the line and say the, the password. The password's pineapple! Also, if they stole my horse, I could just summon a new one. Ishmael Blood Mountain is a stone giant, and also the one responsible for building the avant-garde headquarters. And the cat is named Pip, P-I-P, and the dog is named Starbuck. Dora has gaseous form, so I could literally just mist into the house. Zoe can technically, if there's an open window, or just a window anywhere, as long as she can literally see inside, can misstep in. Those two can just get in, and uh, then in that case, me and Roland could like just walk in the front door. Theodora, you receive a message from your god, Gonador, and it simply says, Corrupt the youth. I think I've decided, Austin, I'm not going to be playing Zoe anymore. I I've come up with a different character I might go with. Uh, his name's Dr. Coconuts. <laughs> he is a robot dog. Yeah. And he's not actually like a, a dog. He's actually a collection of different dog souls kind of bound together within one mortal body. Mm -hmm. Kind of like Legion from Mass Effect. But actually, more accurately, like Ermac from the Mortal Kombat franchise, in that I throw my dog souls out with crazy uh, ninja powers. Or Legion from the Bible. <laughs> I don't... Catholic school has burned me. I can't, I can't reference that. Why is that your first Legion? Because <laughs> Mass Effect is my Bible, Austin. All right? I mean, it, it even has the disappointing chapters that are no longer canon already, so... I mean, Mass Effect might as well be the Bible, so. 
Is that so? What, is Andromeda the Book of Mormon? It's okay. <laughs> no, nope, can't do this. No, wait, like, like more topical jokes, right? No, no. When someone's listening to this archive in like two years, but like I heard about this show, it's on its eighth season. It must be pretty good. I'm gonna go back and listen to it. It's like, oh, just front loading the blasphemy, huh? Yeah. Hey, 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 hey! You're talking to the person who is currently scoring uh, the movie Jesus Bro. Which mm. is coming out on Good Friday, so I mean, might as well. The spirit of blasphemy is here, right? <laughs> Speaking of the spirit of blasphemy, why don't we introduce ourselves for maybe the last time? Because at this point, if you haven't figured it out, you maybe should go back and listen to the first couple episodes because you really got to get the voices matched to the characters to understand what we're doing here. But I'm Austin Yorsky. I'm the dungeon master, which means I'm going to be playing all of the giants and lady gangsters. <laughs> that inhabit this world but aren't the main characters the thing i do which actually probably has the widest reaches i'm the editor of jim sterling and conrad zimmerman's podcast fist shark marketing um but i do a bunch of other stuff too uh that's me i'm joined by leon you wanna go yep uh i'm leon thomas uh i do a show on the internet called renegade cut critics call it a show on the internet uh i am playing a character named Bumbershoot Von Victrola. He is a very old vampire, and uh, he's super fancy. I'm Lauren Morgan. I'm not really famous, but I work for the Florida Department of Revenue, if anyone's interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren's coming to take mine and Skitch's money. That's right. <laughs> um, Skitch, who are you? What do you do? Uh, my name is Michael Skitchiano. Uh, among other things, I'm Currently composing the score for the upcoming Walkaway Entertainment feature-length film, Jesus Bro, starring, among others, Brad Jones, also known as the Cinema Snob, which is set to premiere on Good Friday. <laughs> Lauren, did you mention what character you play? I didn't, did I? That's funny. I mean, I'm the only girl. That's sexist. Like, voice, so I feel... Whatever. Anyways, <laughs> I play Dora the Dixie. Everyone knows, it's fine. Okay. And I'm playing the the half elf uh just this year, uh Roland Hawklight. And that's everybody. I guess we could start. Yep. <laughs> yep. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> uh, I'm Chris Larios. I do a podcast on the internet that's about talking Japanese comic books and other such nonsense. And I'm uh playing a little girl whose name is Zoe. <laughs> Who, once again, we have to remind everyone, is actually 19 yes. in the in the mind space, so... There seems to be confusion about <laughs> what that actually entails, I guess because the science behind it is difficult to comprehend, <laughs> uh, which is actually pretty obvious because it doesn't exist, there is no science to this, it's magic that conjures this, so... That's right. It's not just magic, it's wild magic. It's the sexiest magic. It is true. Alright, so where we are in this story that we're telling together collaboratively is that it is the morning of your guys first mission of the campaign you are all set to go off to a party at hawthorne house a spooky mansion uh, where you will infiltrate mingle and eventually kidnap the master of the house a necromancer presumably also named hawthorne um, you have two invitations but you basically have a plan <laughs> but we'll see how well that goes uh, is there anything you guys do on the morning before the party I think I mentioned with you earlier that I wanted to just briefly uh, amend what I was asking Winnie, or what Zoe was asking for Winnie. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Uh, she's just going to ask for a, uh, a desk, essentially, for a room and, uh, like, a cork board. 
like one of the ones that you'd like uh like a bulletin board kind of thing i think there's a like an opening scene of you guys waking up and getting breakfast and you wandering down all bleary-eyed and yawning and being like winnie can i get some stuff and he's you know winifred's got mountains of paperwork basically the whole first floor of the avant-garde's headquarters is like winnie's space and it's like half office half library research place because when you guys are off doing other stuff he's not just staring at the wall he's you know trying to find new information to send to you guys so there's like a lot of stuff going on down here and it's a lot of paperwork and a lot of Mm -hmm. clutter but it makes sense to him (laughs) and so you ask for some like personal stuff to decorate your room and he's jotting it down with some tentacles while uh shifting some other things around in his workspace and he sat he says that's no problem if you guys need anything else, just let him know. He's he's here to help. He's such a good, industrious boy. Yeah, Winnie <laughs> is probably the most competent person in this group already, and he's not even a player character. This is this is good. I mean, it, he has one hit point, <laughs> and he can do zero damage. Ooh. So, no, don't kill spoilers. him! Spoilers! <laughs> no, I'm just... That's not spoilers! I'm just saying! He has a very specific use, <laughs> so don't rely on him too much. Oh, jeez. Now I know what the beginning of the third act of this campaign is going to be. Oh, I have none of that planned out. <laughs> if you if you haven't listened to this show before, there's very little planning because I like to give the players a lot of space to kind of explore. So I have like a list of locations and a list of characters and a kind of a vague idea of what the bounties are going to be. But besides that, a lot of this is all improv. So I've I've seen the script you wrote for this season. I saw that napkin. It, it was pretty densely filled out. Okay. Uh, Winifred uh, floats over to you, Roland, Mm -hmm. uh, during the breakfast montage and says, "Uh, so uh, Master Bumbershoot didn't tell me what kind of blood he wants. I just, be uh, be negative will be fine. I don't know how they taste. I'm scared to ask. He gets really grumpy. I mean, my first question is, where are you sourcing this blood from? I just, I just fill the orders. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I'll ask him. I, I don't want to make him mad. I was just wondering if you knew which blood tastes best. Uh, I'm not someone who indulges in blood for either pleasure or nourishment. So I just want to step in here real quick. Um, this, this, this comes to me as a surprise. It's your cover because you have to get blood somewhere. And Roland doesn't know that you, you drain people. And if he did, he would probably stab you to death. Okay. So when, when, it, when Winifred is covering for me. I think you're tricking Winifred into covering for you. I don't think he'd willingly let you go around murdering people. Ah, uh, okay. All he's right. like, where do you get blood, Master Bumbershoot? And you're like, I don't, just don't worry about it. And he's like, should I get you some? And you're like, whatever. <laughs> and so he's like, <laughs> okay. he's doing that, but it's not actually part of your plan. It's just a thing you've allowed to happen because it's useful. All right, all right. Just, just, just so the audience knows, uh, Bumbershoot needs to um, drink <laughs> the blood of someone, and pre- presumably, almost always, kill that person for like logistical reasons. At least once a week, or he will die immediately. That's been in the recap of every episode so far because it's Leon's favorite plot point. He cannot wait. <laughs> he is so horny to start murdering. <laughs> I know, but also like this was like a curveball, and I wanted to reiterate that. Okay, I'm done now. I'm totally done. Okay. Um, Roland's just going to like rub his forehead, push himself away from the ta- uh, table where he's probably doing some form of Ilium Sudoku puzzle thing, <laughs> okay. and meanders his way up to Bumbershoot's room because uh, he assumes that Bumbershoot's just in his room. Mm-hmm. And knocking on the door, Bumbershoot, I need to talk to you about something. What? <laughs> 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 I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready every week. 
Fred's asking what kind of blood type you want for your order. Oh, I, I would prefer to speak to uh, Winifred uh, personally about that, but I'll do that later. You, you don't have to worry about this, Roland. Don't worry your pretty little head about it. <laughs> Fred's pretty uh, apprehensive about doing that. I'm more than happy to relay the information if you just tell me. I mean, it's, there's only, like, four choices, maybe, you know, eight if you include positive and negative. So it, it's, it's, it can't be that hard of an answer. Okay, well, tell Winifred that I'm not too choosy, okay? All right. I'm a universal recipient, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm not going to think about that implication. <laughs> Roland just heads back to Winifred and relays that to him. Winifred uh, nods and jots that down. So then breakfast goes off without any more <laughs> confrontations, I think. No, I mean, Bumshu can't even have breakfast, so. Right. <laughs> he's, he's in his room reading books. Yep, pretty much. All right, so I assume Theodora sews uh, Roland something to wear to the party that can hide his armor. Yes, and there's a fashion show montage. Okay, do you guys, yeah. Does he come out from behind the curtains and... Like, ten different outfits, yes. Roland has the exact same facial expression for every reveal. (laughs) And everybody's sitting in chairs like, nope, shake their head, nope, shake their head, nope, shake their head. And the last one, they're all like, yeah, that's it. How How does it look? Oh, boy. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. frilly at the neck with frilly sleeves, like at the wrists. Mm -hmm. It's a Seinfeld puffy shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, with like a brocade suit. A brocade suit. But like in really vibrant colors, like like pink and purple. (laughs) Oh, nice. I love this so much. Like very Prince. Right, right, right. (laughs) Please, fat art. (laughs) Roland is just going to sigh. His face is basically as neutral as it was at the beginning of the whole thing. It's like, I can't wait to get out of this stuff later on when we're done with this job. Sad dad. Give me it back when you're done. I can reuse the fabric. Deal. All right. All right. Are you guys ready to go? We can fast forward tonight. Is there any information about the layout of the estate? that he can use to kind of strategize entry points for Dora and Zoe? Yep. Um, the dossier contains basic reconnaissance information. It's a two-story building. There's a main front entrance, and there's a back servant's entrance. There are several windows on the bottom floor and one window on the top, and none of them have ever been spotted open. Mm-hmm. And there's a fence that goes around the outside, and there's some distance between the fence and the house. So, and we'll get to this soon if Bumbershoot and Roland are going to use passes to just walk in and yeah. Theodora is going to turn into mist and just float in that really only leaves Zoe who either has to teleport through the fence and then into the building using two spells or climb the fence and then teleport into the building using one spell but climbing the fence will possibly draw attention and there's of course always the trade-off of her wild magic and i have a table ready <laughs> whenever she casts a spell so someone's thirsty for some wild magic here <laughs> whenever she casts a spell there's a chance uh something will happen the chances whether it's beneficial or detrimental or maybe it's just funny it's gonna get wild the only thing bummershoot wants to ask winifred is whether this is a dinner party or a cocktail party that's an amazing question. Winifred doesn't know because the oh. invitations did not specify. Okay, so I don't know if I'm sitting down or walking around. Got it. All right, we'll figure it out when we get there. You certainly will. I- I'm trying to think of a way to aid Zoe in particular 
by preemptively planning out something that might give her some advantage in the way in. Why you don't you don't trust my negative three athletics check to get over this fence? Yeah, this is like a Tom Clancy game for him right now, where he's just sort of like, okay, <laughs> Bumbershoot and I are Bravo team. We're going to make our entrance right here. Uh, Dora, you are Charlie team. You are entry from here via mist without too much trouble. I do what I want. <laughs> Let's see. The only other thing is, do you guys have any items you want to take with you that you want to state now to Chekhov's gun them rather than make them seem come, come from nowhere? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that, uh, he, that Bumbershoot is taking, like, his general, his general, like, equipment, and it's really just his rapier cane, uh, the invitation. He can fit his two daggers somewhere, you know, on his body. The rest is just, like, basic thief stuff and his suit, so. There's nothing, there's nothing, like, he's not carrying his, like, favorite anvil. He's a, he just has, he has, he has small, he has small little objects that fit into his clothes. I just want to make sure we just establish everything that might be important later so it doesn't feel unfair if you whip it out later. <laughs> that I whip out my sword of flames. No. I, I have actual weapons. I have um two like big needles and then one giant needle. I'm gonna leave the giant needle at home, but I'm gonna bring those two little daggers that look like needles, just in case. So you carry sewing needles as weapons, they just have the stats of daggers for D D purposes. Basically, because they're large. Roland will take probably the least threatening weapon that he has in his arsenal. Um, whips, just because they're not like huge freaking swords or spears and stuff. Um, that and this holy symbol is always going to have with him. All right, what is your holy symbol? I, I know the symbols of Torm, Tyr, and Ilmater. There's two things he has as possible holy symbols. One is his shield, and the other is an amulet that he wears. So if he needs to, he'll if he casts a spell that uses the holy symbol, he'll just grasp it with one hand. That's free. If there's just somatic components, he still needs a free hand to cast a spell. But, you know, it just depends on the type of spell he's casting. I think Zoe's just going to be bringing along probably her slingshot. Uh, probably not, like, as obviously tucked into a back pocket as uh, the Bart Simpson kind of uh, visual implies, since we're at a fancy party. But I'd probably bring that along, and I think just her uh, her arcane focus, which is uh, uh, tucked into her pocket. All right. Do you want to keep that a secret for now, or? Yeah. Well, it, it's 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 something that uh, she doesn't have out openly. Uh, but I haven't had to cast any spells yet thus far, so uh, it kind of hasn't had to come up. Okie dokie. Let's start this mission then, huh? Oh, geez. Uh, so as the orb at the top of the sacrum rotates to night for Hawthorne House and its surrounding environment, uh, the four of you approach at a tactical distance the spooky two-story mansion with a black iron gate wrapped all around it and the gates at the front are open and in front are two guards who are apparently there to check invitations yep. and these guards are skeletons oh so spooky <laughs> they are very spooky and they're standing at attention they have uh, bone spears, and they're waiting for invitation people to approach. And that's where you guys are. Before we get close enough for them to probably hear us, Roland's going to whisper to Bumbershoot, if this guy's a necromancer, he does a terrible job hiding it. <laughs> Dara's going to go ahead and uh, cast Gash's form before they're inside of the guards. So your Gonador brooch lights up, and you turn into gas? Yep. I'm just a little cloud. You basically just evaporate? <laughs> yeah, me and everything I'm carrying turn into, like, a little misty cloud. 
And so you just float on just like through the skeletons and behind them and into the yard in front of the mansion. And then I guess you just slip through the crack and (laughs) into the the house. Yes, but I float through both skeletons just to be a dick. (laughs) You won and then you circle back to get the other one. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. One person in. <laughs> what does the fence look like? Is it like a wrought iron kind of fence or like they're, they're you know, um, slots between the bars or anything like that? Yeah, it's a bunch of black bars and they're, they have kind of like sharp points at the top, like a gothic iron fence. It's, um, it's not super tall, but it looks like it's going to be noisy and creaky to climb. My question is, do I believe, as a young child, mm-hmm. or, or very uh, spry and good at getting into things, could I slip through the bars? Uh, that would be a dexterity check. Alright, I'm not, I'm not god-awful at that. Yeah, this'll be interesting. <laughs> if, if, you, if you crit botch it, you, you have your head stuck in it like in a sitcom? No, it's a Winnie the Pooh. Oh, that, that too. I somehow get my head stuck in it and through a honeypot on the other side, too. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be very bad. All right, here we go. Uh, oh, that's only you. All right, I thought I had a bigger bonus than this. Oh! All right, that's not great. <laughs> Oops. All right, that's a five. So that's a, that's not a high number. Um, if, you know your, if you know your D20 numbers, five is at the lower end of things, unfortunately. Yep, on a scale of 1 to 20, 5 is in the lowest quadrant possible. So here's what happens. The four of you approach, and then at a safe distance, Dora goes gaseous, goes on ahead, and then the other teams split off. We have Team Zoe, who goes to sneak through the fence, and then Team Dad, who are going to talk to the skeleton guards. Zoe, you try to duck between the bars of the fence. You think you get through. You actually like go through, and you're like, oh, I did it. And then you get yanked back because your shirt got caught on a pointy thing. Yeah, like a barb, a metal, you know, just from age. And you get yanked back and you you just wang your head right into the metal bars. You just get yanked back like a comedy squash and stretch. And the whole fence goes wang. <laughs> and uh, you hear people, well, people is not accurate. You hear skeleton guards running. Oh, are they the two skeleton guards in front of us or are they are just other skeleton guards? Nope. Let's cut to team dad. <laughs> uh, Bumbershoot and Roland. There's two skeletons standing in front of you with spears made out of bone. They hold hands out expectantly for your invitations. Bumbershoot hands uh, his invitation to one of them, but does not speak to the help. <laughs> Fair. Uh, the skeleton takes your invitation. Roland, do, this, do you do the same? Absolutely, yes. The skeletons start looking them over, um, and as they are doing that, another guest walks up behind you. Um, and is waiting behind you to do the same thing. Uh, this person is dressed very fancy. Mm-hmm. Purple party attire with a top hat. I'm putting an icon in the roll 20. <laughs> okay. Yes! Yes! Uh, oh my. It's Tuxedo Mask! I, I don't know if it's actually t- Tuxedo Mask. I mean, it looks similar. I think that's actually Darren. I don't think that's Tuxedo Mask. They're two different people. Probably Darren, you know. That's- so I think that's just Darren. He's just wearing a fancy mask. Yeah, so this figure, and the reason I picked Tuxedo Mask is because they're wearing a mask. Uh, the way they're dressed says wizard to you guys. You guys see 10 wizards a week. People are Wizards are constantly showing up in Ilium because they think there's some big magic secret here. They think that if they discover the secret of Ilium, they'll attain unlimited power, and inevitably they're killed right away and you guys are sent by the warden to hunt down the murderer this is you guys are so tired of wizards it's like a whole thing 
Um, and this guy's just outfit screams wizard, especially because he's wearing what appears to be a magic mask. And this isn't like some sacred artifact or anything. This is like a eyes wide shut party mask that rich people wear. And it's enchanted so that even though it's like a small domino mask, it casts an enchantment over the whole face, obscuring its features. So you can go to, you know, your raucous sex party <laughs> anonymously. Okay. But so that he's very fancy and he's wearing a magic mask so that you see like the outline of the mask around his face, but you can't really get a, a handle on what the rest of him looks like. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I would like to do a uh, perception to get a better look at this dude's uh, masked face. Nine. Yeah. Yeah, that's not great. I mean, it's the the mask is doing what it was designed to do, yeah. which is obscure his features so that he's not scandalized. Okay. So you don't really get much, but you get the sense that this is a young person, like in their 20s. He just has like a strong jawline and just like he seems pretty young and fit. He seems like he's carrying himself with the confidence of someone who's done this kind of party before. And he pulls out his invitation and he's waiting behind you guys as the skeletons finish looking over your invitations, hand them back and wave you in. Okay. All right. Oh, I am definitely going in. Yeah, Roland just sort of goes on in following Bumbershoot. You guys walk past the skeletons and start crossing the yard to Hawthorne House, when from far enough distance where you can't see the source, but you can just hear the faint sound of something slamming into the iron fence. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you guys go into the house? Bumbershoot probably figures out what that sound was, but... He's on Team Bravo, so, you know, <laughs> it's not his problem. Okay. Roland generally acts like someone who imposes himself as an authority figure, even when he doesn't actually have authority. So he's going to investigate the sound. We're splitting up even more. Yeah. yeah. So to be clear, <laughs> Bumbershoot's going in the house, yep. and Roland is going to go to try to save Zoe. Roland, are you going to roll stealth in your heavy armor, or are you just going to walk like you belong there? <laughs> I mean... If you just walk over there, like, with a clipboard, everyone will think you're important and inefficient. If I was to roll stealth, I'd have disadvantage on it anyway. That's the thing. <laughs> it's not good. This is not a great situation for Roland. <laughs> I mean, he's not hes not sneaking up. He's just a party guest who's just is curious about something going on. So, back with Zoe, you bang your head on this fence and you fall to your you fall on your butt and you see two skeletons with with bone spears running up how far away do i think i am from the uh skeletons depends on what you want to do we're writing this together whatever's most interesting for you i suppose i probably should instigate things and go with my gut instinct to just uh, like teleport in and say fuck it Uh because i feel like that would just mess (laughs) things up more (laughs) and also misty step only is a verbal component so you don't even need like free hands to do it yeah, but the, like it's not like they can't see where I'm going. It's not like I'm teleported to like the sewer system. I'm just in the lawn then. Like, uh-huh. uh, I'm gonna actually just let this. I'm gonna let them come up, and I'm going to hope that uh, maybe I can take advantage of my uh, background feature that uh, they'll just be like, "Eh, kids will be kids." <laughs> so two skeletons run up and they point their spears at you. They get up like close to you, looking down at you. They don't have visible eyes, obviously. Uh, they don't have um, any muscle tissue or any uh tendons or anything like they're a fantasy skeleton which is held together by magic so they don't really obey a lot of the physicality that you think they they should being skeletons Mm -hmm. uh but they don't seem to be able to talk that seems to be where the line is so they kind of thrust their spears at you just as if to say like shoo shoo they're trying to shoo you back through the fence at spear point i i dropped my frisbee in there (laughs) 
<laughs> the two skeletons look at each other and then look back to you and <laughs> they shrug and then they they continue gesturing away like go back go back but it's 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 right over there like it's just gonna point off in a direction towards the building uh okay so you're continuing to push your case with these skeletons at which point roland uh you see this confrontation two skeletons uh trying to get a girl on the ground to go back through the fence (laughs) roland just sort of like walks up a bit he doesn't really hide his presence Mm -hmm. to the skeletons um does he get their attention by him approaching yeah, you're in heavy armor, so unless you were trying to sneak, they noticed you right away, and they turn, and then they <laughs> they are startled a little bit, so they, they put their spears out in a menacing stat, uh, stance. Roland just sort of raises a hand and says, like, please, please, gentle bones, it's, this is not <laughs> an appropriate course of action here. She's just, she's just a little girl here, and it probably wouldn't be a good look for Mr. Hawthorne for when he was to get out about a young child being accosted by his own guards uh persuasion sure 13 they lower their spears a little bit and one of the skeletons hold holds out his hand and the and with the other hand makes a rectangle motion with a finger and then holds out a hand the invitation yeah hmm. roland just takes out the invitation and presents it to the uh, guard all right the skeleton looks over your invitation hands it back turns to zoe and does the same thing rectangle hand um, my frisbee's like right over there. If I can just go get it, <laughs> the skeleton puts its foot against your face gently oh, and just starts pushing you back through the bars. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, <laughs> it's doing it gingerly. It doesn't want to hurt you. It just it, it was ordered to keep people without invitations out, and it is magically compelled to do so. <laughs> Is anybody else picturing this skeletons like uh, Sans from Undertale? No. Oh, no, not Sans. Papyrus. 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 Come on. Let's be serious here. <laughs> yeah, no, I got them backwards. Well, I do have an icon for this character. <laughs> is it oh. fucking Papyrus? Yes. Oh, my. Oh, my God, it is. <laughs> I forgot I had one. You do what you do, Skitch, because if you don't have something, I'm about to do something that could be very detrimental to everything that we're trying to do here. Oh, please do it. No. Listen, listen, listen. Uh, Gentle Bones, you two guards, moment of your time here. Uh, The skeleton finishes pushing Zoe through to the other side before it turns to listen to you. So she's now on the other side of the fence. And then they turn and look at you. She's under my care right now, and there's no way we can have someone keep an eye on her back at home and obviously she seems very interested in being here for the party and and i don't know if it's necessarily safe for a young child to be elsewhere in ilium roll persuasion with disadvantage because uh you've already failed one uh to convince them and they are not complex thinking creatures they kind of have orders so uh 10 yeah, so they they don't react uh, aggressively or negatively or anything, but one of them uh, kind of takes you by the arm with like a loop, like a gentleman like leading a lady, and tries to take you back towards the house. And the other one stays behind and just kind of looks at Zoe, <laughs> waiting for her to leave. From where I am, can I see if there's an open window anywhere facing like the yard where I am? Not, and I don't mean open like physically open, but that I can see through to the other side, more or less. Yeah, there's a window. You can see it's closed, but you can see like the vague silhouette shapes of a party going on through it on the first floor. Okay. 
So I apologize in advance if this already starts fucking things up. Oh, it's going to be so choice. I'm still the cloud of mist. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cast a spell. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes, fuck everything up, please. I'm going to cast Gust, and I want to knock that skeleton's head off. <laughs> well, here we go, folks. First of all, the skeleton has to do a save. What is the save? Uh, I believe it is a strength saving throw. I can confirm here in just a moment. All right, what is your spell save DC, the number that I have to hit to not be gusted? 15. All right, here we go. Hmm. Yes. 11. All right, so you didn't really specify how far Roland and the other skeleton got away before you did, <laughs> how far away they got before you did this. Do you wait until they're out of, like, range? I think she's waiting till they're out of range. She's basically, I think, trying to hope that the other skeleton would get bored and stop looking. But once Roland's not immediately nearby and he's like kind of in the house and the skeleton isn't turning his attention away, she's like, all right, enough of this nonsense. And she like blasts its face off, essentially, like and hopes that he'll comedically go about trying to retrieve it. <laughs> so I failed the DC, which means the skeleton blows up. <laughs> Just immediately is reduced to his constituent pieces and is spread across the yard. Roland is being led away by the skeleton, and you don't really know this is happening, mm -hmm. so you can still role play how you want to react to being led away from this. But now we get our first wild magic roll of the season. So roll a d20, and we will see what happens. I have my little sheet up here, and everyone hold on to your butts. I usually am. Only a d20? Jeez, that seems, that's a small table there. I'm going to be, every time he gets one, I'm going to replace the effect mm -hmm. on, the, on the table. So, there, so if he rolls the same one twice, you won't get the same thing. It's going to be a whole thing. Nine. What is nine? Yeah, the numbers don't correspond to like the goodness. So it's not like higher is better or anything. I literally just brainstormed and put them out here. So number nine is summon an elemental, <laughs> which is f fun because you used a wind spell. So this, you blast him with a column of wind, and instead of dissipating as it blows the skeleton apart, it retains its shape, and now there is like a hurricane man in the middle of the shield. There's a man made of wind who, instead of legs, has like a, a twirling um, tail of a storm at the bottom of his figure, and now it just starts stalking the yard. <laughs> I couldn't have made a more simple process more complicated. What What is the Hurricane Man's alignment? I mean, are we going to have to fight this Hurricane Man? Or is he just like, he's new and he doesn't know what to, what's up? Here's what I'm going to do. Okay. I'm going to roll a d20. On evens, right. he's going to be relatively benign. On odds, he's going to be aggressive. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Oops. Oh, no. <laughs> He's Nick. <laughs> 19 is odd. So it, as soon as this elemental is given life, <laughs> it becomes infused with wild magic and starts tear-assing around the yard, looking for more skeletons to explode. Zoe, your lion <laughs> to the house is clear. I will make my way over to the house. Yeah, you follow behind. Are you following behind Roland as he's being escorted? And then you're going to like like hide behind a bush? I, I assume that it's like, like, I'm just going right from where I am, like, th across the yard, and then to the window, and then I'm, like, trying to look in to see where I can safely teleport to. Okay, so you look through the window, you see uh, silhouettes of figures having a party, and there's a place where you can teleport to, and you'll be, like, behind, like, a vase on a 
pedestal or something so you won't be seen. But once again, if you do do Misty Step, we're going to roll on this table again. I mean, <laughs> in for a penny. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to cast Misty Step. Now, <laughs> I, I, we we can reflavor things, right? Sure. Uh, Misty Step, it's, the intention is that you, you go to a space, an unoccupied space 30 feet away, and like there's a silvery mist. Instead of the silvery mist, I want my character to like hold her fingers up to her like forehead, and then she basically Goku instant transmissions into the room with like speed line sound effect essentially following it. Okay. So it's just like, choo, choo. So you Dragon Ball into the party, roll me another d20 for this wild magic table. Nine is off the table, I'll need to replace it for the next session. Mm-hmm. Four. Mm. Four. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> I don't like that. Oh, this is good. A teleporting monster. Oh, this is good. Uh, the four is fall asleep. <laughs> so you teleport <laughs> behind a pedestal on which there is a priceless vase. <laughs> you appear, your eyes shut, you pitch forward and hit the pedestal. The vase goes flying into shatters on the ground in the middle of the party. As you slump to the ground unconscious. Okay, am I? I I'm in the party at this point because this has happened over the past few minutes. Yeah, we're gonna have to pulp fiction this back. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Okay, so Dora, you missed. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still cracking up. That could have not have been any better. I swear to God, this is exactly what you rolled. Holy shit. Okay. So, Dora, you float through the front door in your misty form, and you see... I don't know what kind of party you were expecting. If it was, like, a red Solo Cup affair or, like, a fancy dinner party. It's been kind of a mystery. Um, What it is is kind of an intimate get-together, almost like a jazz club atmosphere, like people standing around and just kind of, like, looking cool while uh, there's a live musical act. There's a skeleton in a spotlight in front of a piano, just kind of, like, tinkering away on it. (laughs) <laughs> and everyone's just kind of standing around yeah and it's it's tickling the ivory which is a little weird because it's a skeleton um but you notice first of all that it's pretty much all skeletons like 98 percent of the people in here are skeletons i don't know if you were expecting that do you take a substantial form or are you just gonna recon this for a bit um i'm probably gonna recon it for a bit to see if more non-skeletons show up because i feel like it'd be really <laughs> obvious and this crowd of skeletons yeah, so you're floating around, and it's pretty much all skeletons standing around, and they're all, like, dressed really nice, which is weird. The guards outside are just kind of, like, like low-level Western RPG skeletons, but in here, they're, like, in tuxes, and there's, like, a skeleton waiter walking around with, like, a silver dish on it, and he has, like, glasses, but they're all empty because they don't have digestive systems, and all the skeletons are taking the glasses and, like, holding them up to their... Just to look cool? Yeah, they're just, like, they're going through the motions of a cool party, but they're not really... It, the way they're experiencing it is uh, uncanny to you, um, but you're going to float around and you are going to see some, you're going to see some people. In the meantime, Bumbershoot, you just walked into the party. Yo. Uh, and you see the same thing. It's just like a, a cool jazz skeleton party. Uh, do you do anything in particular? What, you get a lot of looks when you come in. They're like, oh, the fleshling is here. <laughs> Okay, well, Bumbershoot wants to, like, ingratiate himself uh, into the crowd uh, and sort of blend in. And he says, where are my skeletons at? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course, that's how. Yeah. Holy crap. Okay. He, he also looks for someone who is not a skeleton. He wants to find out, like, someone who is in charge to gather information on where Hawthorne, I'll let, we're, we're assuming his name is Hawthorne, might be. So, <laughs> Bumbershoot, the first person you pick out 
uh, that is not a skeleton is the wizard man in the top hat and the in the mask from outside. Mm-hmm. And there's also someone else who Dora saw first. You guys can choose who you want to interact with. But the person, Dora, you see uh, kind of chilling in the back. And that's the reason I give them to you first is because they're not mingling. They're kind of they're kind of scope and biz. Okay. You know this person very well. This is Claudia. Uh, she tells people it's Claudia, but no one says that because pretentious. Uh, Claudia Rock, R-O-C, like the mythological bird. Mm-hmm. Although it's not mythological, it exists in this world. <laughs> um, and she is your guys' primary rivalry in the bounty hunting business. Is it a friendly rivalry? Like, are we frenemies? Or is it like, <laughs> do we like actively dislike each other? That is up to you. I would like to believe that Bumbershoot actively dislikes Rock. All right, yeah. So the Rocks are actually a company and a couple, Claudia and Robin Rock. Uh, You do not see Robin in this room, but Claudia is a dark-skinned 20-something human woman, and she has uh, a messenger bag is the most notable thing on her person. She's not dressed fancy, but she is just inherently stylish. Like, she's basically always styly. So, like, Kristen Stewart. (laughs) <laughs> if you want to picture her right. as Kristen Stewart, actually, now that this character has been introduced, I'll put her icon in the roll 20. Or like Zoe Kravitz. They're both like just really cool inherently. Oh my God, it's Connie. <laughs> okay. And so you see Claudia Rock in the back with her messenger bag, kind of looking over the party, just seeing all the skeletons and not seeing who presumably she is also here for, uh, Hawthorne the Necromancer. I was thinking about talking to her, but I'm not gonna, because then she'll know we're doing the same thing, and fuck her. <laughs> okay, so we've decided. The avant-garde are vicious rivals with the rocks. I'd like to think that I'm on friendly terms with them, but I also like winning. Oh, that's nice. Well, it's true. You can't be nice with everybody. You guys are already friends with Ishmael, Blood Mountain, and the Lilies. So you gotta have somebody that you're uh, not BFFs with. Like, I don't hate him, hate him, but I like winning. Okay. Uh, all right, that's what you guys see. Do you do anything before Roland is let in? Uh, I would li- I would like to talk to, um, like, Wizard Hatman. <laughs> all right. Wizard Hatman is... Hatman. Uh... <laughs> okay. This wizard man is uh, going from waiter to waiter trying to find a glass that actually has something in it. <laughs> and he is failing because none of the- there's no food or drink here that is edible. But do I see any, or is it this is just like, or is this just like a personal problem for this guy? No, there doesn't appear to be any. <sighs> okay, all right. Um, then, and that, well, we can um, we can fake bond over that. <laughs> um, uh, Bumbershoot uh, walks over to him and sort of like taps him on the shoulder, like very gently. <laughs> it's just a tap tap. Yeah, easy on the velvet. Oh, my most sincere apologies. Isn't this party terrible? There's nothing to eat or drink. I mean, not that that matter to me. Oh, by the way, my name is Viscount Bumbershoot von Victrola. And then Bumbershoot extends his hand. He takes your hand and says, My name is Garrick the Great. You may have heard of me and my, my wizardly deeds. Does, has Bumbershoot heard of this person or is there just no way? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, it's Garrick, G-A-R-I-C. And the way he's talking about himself is the kind of person who feels like they need to tell people about themselves. <laughs> okay. Um, Bumbershoot shakes his hand mm-hmm. um, and then says, you wouldn't happen to know where our host is. I'd like to give my compliments to him. No, I, I'm just uh, trying to find some hors d'oeuvres. 
if the host has any sense, they're probably hiding in shame <laughs> from from this spread. <laughs> uh, but Bumbershoot tries to like like bond with him like in a really snobby way. He's like, "Oh, it's the worst." I've seen classier shindigs in Akamoros. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Bumbershoot takes a little bit of offense to that, um, but like tries to hide it. Why does Bumbershoot take offense to that? Oh, because uh, he was born in Akamoros over a hundred years ago. Okay, Austin, the GM did not know that. <laughs> it it literally says that in the thing I sent you. I forgot. I thought you were from Pennsylvania originally. <laughs> oh, oh, is it you who are forgetting backstories now? Okay, you got okay, me. Okay, that's cool. All right, neat. The worm has turned. No, it's fine. All right, cool. That's a cool thing. This guy insulted your homeland unknowingly. Nice. Good. Good. A bumbershoot says uh, it just he thinks. Um, this guy is on the list now. <laughs> okay, there's a lot of lists. Okay, so um, Bumbershoot decides not to kill him uh, at this moment because there are a lot of skeletons watching. Uh-huh. But he has gotten all the information he needs out of this person and then says, Excuse me, I have to go find my friends. Good luck. He's done with this person. <laughs> at this time, uh, Roland Hawklight, you are led in by the arm by a skeleton guard. And now you are in the skeleton party. Uh, like Roland just sort of rubs his arm after the guard listens and goes like, <clears throat> I appreciate the escorting, but after that I might have some of your bones to pick with your boss after this whole thing. Ooh. He's never heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> he then uh, just rolls shoulder and just surveys the party and then like his paladin said is just sort of like Blair Oz like, why are there so many skeletons here? <laughs> Does Bumper Shoot notice Roland walk in? Yes. Yeah, he's in heavy armor, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, good point. He's, I think he's the tallest person in the party, and... He's wearing a prince suit over heavy armor. I forgot yeah, about okay. the prince suit. In that case, Bumbershoot walks over um, to Roland, and once no- nobody is in earshot, he says, Okay, this is what I've learned so far. Garrick's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know where Hawthorne is. Uh, what 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 was going on outside? I heard a bang. Before Roland can answer, Zoe teleports into the party and smashes a vase. <laughs> and she lands unconscious on the floor. Bumbershoot says, I'm not with her. <laughs> nice. Mm. That's literally all he does. He's distancing himself from, from this uh, incident. I know. Whew. Is there a stair? Is there a staircase that I can see that goes upstairs? Because we're doing this in an audio format, I haven't drawn a map. Yeah. But here's what you need to know: there's the room you guys are in, the main party room, and then you're gonna need to do some more exploring if you want to find other parts of this house. There is not a staircase in here, but you can pretty easily find one. Okay. Well, that's what Bumbershoot is gonna do. In fact, he's gonna use like this distraction. I, I'm assuming some people are going to notice this to just sort of like slip slip away and start looking for a way upstairs. Yeah, you definitely do that. Okay. Bumbershoot goes and to, to find the staircase in the distraction of Zoe in her dramatic entrance, which a lot of skeletons do turn and look, but they're not. <laughs> this isn't like a needle scratch party ends <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> for them. They're just like, hmm, the fleshlings are here. If they are not, like, reacting in a notably, like, hostile fashion towards Zoe, Roland's going to wait until, like, they get distracted with their glasses full of air and <laughs> and music, and he's going to approach the sleeping half-elf and try to nudge her awake. Okay. Yeah, so they, they do pay attention to her for a while. She's interesting. It's like a cool 
opening act thing. They're like, ooh, entertainment. But eventually they do kind of get bored and go back to going through the motions of a party and you can walk over and you can kind of wake her up without a role mm-hmm. because the the sleep I put her in is not permanent or like magically deep. It's just the feedback from the wild magic just knocked her unconscious. Yep. Yeah, I imagine she kind of wakes up with like a, I made it. Well, you certainly crashed the party, all right. Um, but no one seems to be paying that much attention to you, Zoe. Here, let's get you up. Just sort of picks her up like easily, just sets her on her feet. Theodora, you notice, and you're you're just misting around, just kind of uh, scoping everything. You notice that when Zoe came through the window and created that distraction, Bumbershoot wasn't the only one to slip away. Who else slipped away? Claudia. Following her right now. Let's go. Okay, so you tail Claudia Rock. She doesn't know you're there. You're pretty good at this. I assume you've d- done this gaseous form thing plenty of times. It's a really good prank enabler. Yeah. So you follow her as she goes down a hallway and starts uh, ch- like checking on doors. She's like going from door to door, like trying to see if they're unlocked. And so she's doing that. She does not go to the staircase where Bumbershoot goes. And we'll go to him in a second. Is there a door she can't get open? Yeah, all the ones you see her try up until this scene are locked. She does not successfully go into any rooms yet. I would like to go into one of the locked rooms. All right. Because I can pass under the door. Yeah. Theodora, you float under the most significant looking door. (laughs) And you find yourself in what appears to be a master bedroom. And there's a very large, like, king-size bed in here. And there are a lot of personal effects. It looks like somebody lives or lived here. Um, It's actually a lot of dust on things. So it doesn't actually look like anybody's been in here recently. Um, but there are personal effects. There are clothes. You see um, all kinds of stuff. Maybe, maybe we can do some roles to figure out things more specifically. But this is a this is a master bedroom you find yourself in. Uh, would it be investigation to see if there's anything that looks like it significant or out of place or weird? Absolutely investigation. Uh, the problem is you're going to need to become physical if you're going to want to move anything. No, I just want to peep on it. Okay, so that you're only going to get a surface level in your gaseous form. Yeah, because I don't know if there's anybody, like, hiding in a closet or something, like, <laughs> behind, like, a dresser. I don't know. That's what I do at a party. I just hide in the dresser the whole time. Spook- they're spooky. It's- I rolled a 16. Tell me the stuff. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, so you float into the closet to check if anybody's there, and there isn't. Uh, but what you do notice, what jumps out to you with your pretty good score, is that there are men and women's clothing in here. Okay. That's the significant thing you find with an investigation of 16 while in a gaseous form. But are they, like, super different-looking sizes? Yeah. So, like, they're not the same person's clothing? Correct. Okay. All right, that's what you find in here. Roland, uh, do you have anything you want to do before we go to Bumbershoot and his staircase adventure? He's just going to do his basic casing of things. He's going to... Would it be possible for him to glance around and use investigation to see if anything seems particularly noteworthy about the party in this main area about the skeletons themselves or otherwise. Yep. Pretty useful skill in your guys' line of work. 21. Nice. Mm. All right. So what you notice is there's a lot of dust on everything in here. Mm -hmm. Dora noticed that a little bit in her room, but it doesn't look like people use this room often. And if there's this many skeletons, because there's like 20 skeletons in here and there's more outside. If the skeletons were like living here, You'd think they'd be kicking up a lot more of this dust. And you guys know that the the skeletons patrol the outside of the building and stuff. But there's, like, more 
in here than you think there should be. Mm. There's something weird with that. There's something weird with the fact that they're going through the motions of a party, but not really enjoying themselves in like an authentic way. And there's very few people who it turns out were actually invited. Right. Like Roland's trying to infer. Looks like the invitations are meant to be more permanent than intended. <laughs> if I were to place my cards right. That would be I would be insight to try to figure out um Oh, sure. I got I got that. Try to figure out motives. Uh that's just a six for that one, so probably not with a six and an insight, it's hard to say why you guys have been invited here, mm-hmm. but you definitely think there's some kind of significance to the ratio of people to skeletons. Mm-hmm. And you also think that you got a 21 on your investigation, so I'm trying to give you something very good. Here's what I think is the bet very good thing is that you don't think Hawthorne's going to show up. You think that this is for the skeletons. Hawthorne must have a lot of these in his closets, all right? Boom. <laughs> oh, come on. Here. Did you work all week on skeleton puns? Um, no, because I didn't know. How could I? I didn't, I didn't know, know there were going to be skeletons here. <laughs> I forgot. These are on the fly, my man. You sprang skeletons on us. Yeah, this is primo. So he, while you're walking around, you're like looking through stuff. There's um the smashed vase on the ground. You look at it for a while. You're like, man, this could have really backfired pretty badly. Luckily, nobody is here to hold anybody to account. Yeah. And while you're thinking that, the doors open and someone else walks in. This is a woman that you immediately recognize. Hmm. She is tall. She has very pale skin. So pale that you can actually see like the ghost of the blue veins beneath her skin. Mm. Uh, she looks human superficially. You actually don't know what race she is. Do I know if she's either a celestial fiend or undead? Uh, you assume fiendish because this woman is Lady Nim. N-I-M. The boss of the lilies. Oh. Uh, I, I ask because I can know for certain whether she is a celestial fiend or undead because of a paladin derived class. Nice. Do you have to spend anything for that or you just know? I could, I could do up to five times per day. Mm-hmm. So I could just like expend it and know. All right. So do you do that? I'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just do it. Divine sense. She is definitely fiendish. You don't know what kind. But she is a fiend. She is uh, from a plane that is inherently evil. Yep. And so presumably so is she. Mm-hmm. But you don't know. There's there's something specific about her sh- that feels creepy and bad. And you know mm-hmm. just from reputations she is not to be messed with. She leads a gang of like all inherently evil uh, <laughs> magic-resistant shapeshifters. So uh, To add a little bit about that specific feature, I basically... Uh, until the end of my next turn, I know the lo- I know the location of any celestial fiend or undead within sixty feet, and I know what type they are, but I don't know what specific creatures they are. So I know all these skeletons are around me, and I know that that thing's a fiend over there. But that's all I basically know, and that's what a nice div- that's a nice little paladin flavor thing there. Yeah, it's not clear what kind of fiend, but it's a bad, dangerous one. And yeah, she's wearing a kind of a fancy red cocktail dress, and she has black hair. And like I said, very pale skin. She doesn't. She isn't carrying any obvious weapon. But she walks in, and all the skeletons turn and look, and she just stares like ice daggers at them. And they go back to the party. She looks like she has way more authority than she should. <laughs> she just walks in, and she's like, "Now I own this room." Right. And this is the person that we didn't talk to because, well, yeah, we didn't want to with Carrie. So. Austin, if I may ask, uh, if Zoe runs up to the window and looks out it, 
Is that air elemental still like causing shit in the front lawn? Absolutely. You you can go over and you just like put your ear to the window and listen, and you hear just like as it's just whirring around like a lawnmower blade, just cutting down skeletons and ripping up the yard. There's like dirt and grass flying by the window and stuff. I rolled odd, so it it is just a hellion out there, and you assume it's only by the grace of God that Lady Nim did not run into it and they have some kind of epic showdown out there because that would have been very bad. Hmm. If only there was a fire and earth elemental that we could see if we could feel it in our bones or something like that, you know? Is this how you're going to be, Sketch? Is this, yeah. <laughs> is this the kind of life you want to live? Uh, I, I, if you were going to make me the dad character, I got to get my arsenal of dad jokes in full blast here, okay? so Rowan lives the bone life. Oof. All right. So, Bumbershoot. <laughs> yes. You went to find the staircase. I sure did. That was my entire thing. <laughs> you find a staircase. It leads to the second floor. Nice. From your from your brief look around, it is the only staircase that you could find, and it is unguarded. Okay, he's going up because he doesn't know he he hasn't figured out the thing that Roland has figured out because he just went off looking for stuff. So he just he still assumes he's looking for Hawthorne. Yeah. Uh, so you start walking up the staircase, you walk up one land, like one flight and a landing, and you take a turn, and you start walking up a flight, and there's a landing, you take a turn, and then you do that a couple more times, and then a couple more times, and a couple more times, and this staircase should not be this long. Is it the Winchester house? You, you don't have enough stars, man. You can't get the Bowser this way, man. Okay. Um, It's just, it seems never ending. I'm going to assume Bumbershoot eventually figures out what's going on and and, and then he he's kind of freaked out by it because he doesn't want this he didn't ask for this and he goes back downstairs <laughs> all right uh as you get to the staircase coming the other way down the hallway is uh claudia rock of the rocks the bounty hunter and uh you see her before she sees you if you want to take any evasive action um Bumbershoot steps out of the way and says um it's right upstairs <laughs> and then just just passes her completely <laughs> she says, uh-huh, I already tried that one, Bumble. <laughs> um, oh, do I want to fight her or not? No, no, Bumbershoot uh, typically avoids co- uh, conflict unless he's feeding. <laughs> no, he's going downstairs. He has, he's had enough of this. So so you guys uh, separate, and she just kind of <laughs> says over her shoulder, good luck, and she rounds a corner and goes looking somewhere else. Dora passes through Bumbleshoot. Okay. <laughs> Let's be clear. His name is Bumbershoot. Yeah. No one is going to call him that. He's going to be called Bumbles. He's Bumbles. <laughs> Bundle Scoot. Bumble Snoot. Yeah. <laughs> well, not only do I pass through him, but I take just like a minute or two to like do it a bunch. Like I go back and forth a lot. Okay. Just because I feel like it would bother him if he knew. Let's be clear. You're not immaterial. You can't go through him. You can go through skeletons because you can go like around their bones and stuff. Oh, I can't go through him. Oh, that's right. <laughs> And you just, like, float around his personal space. <laughs> if he has ruffles, I, I, like, fluff them. Okay. Let's just assume he has a little, just so we can have the scene. Yeah. After you're very rude <laughs> to your friend, is there something else <laughs> you know. want to do? I want to go into another locked room. Uh, okay. So if any that look interesting, anyway. I mean, if there's nothing there, then, you know. So you find another locked door, you go under it, and you see that there is a staircase here down. Ooh, I'm going. So you go down the staircase and into a basement. It is a cellar, which has a bunch of casks of wine 
and like crates of food and stuff. He, this is like actually human, human edible and potable as opposed to everything up at the party. Uh, there's not like any like secret torture dungeons in this basement. This appears to be the basement of like a normal person who is like well off enough to afford like a supply of stuff. Okay. Is, is there like rooms within this basement? Like, is it like a whole separate thing? Uh, nope. This appears to be just a storage basement for wheels of cheese and... Can I roll investigation to see if there's anything interesting? Doing it. Ten. Oh, that's only a ten. Ten. You don't find much except that, um, there are in the dust on the floor, there are skeleton-y footprints. So skeletons come down. But only skeleton-y. Correct. Skeletons come down here. Okay. Is there, like, is it as dusty as it is upstairs? No. And things look like they've been disturbed? Yeah, skeletons seem to come down here more than they're in the party room. Hmm, okay. Float me back up. <laughs> All right, you're floating around. How long can you stay here? Uh, floating? You mean a mist? Yes. Uh, yeah, up to one hour. Well, I guess this is just Theodora now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I only get two spell slots, so I mean, I gotta make them count. <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, you have to remember, those things refresh on a short rest, so. True, and I've got like a million cantrips. Yeah, for listeners, the warlock class's weird thing is they get their spells back, but they only get a couple spells. And where like wizards and stuff get a ton of spells, but they can only do use them once a day. So, anybody else have anything they want to do? Um, Bumbershoot wants to look around to see if there's any expensive silverware. <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna judge them? or Are you gonna steal it, or both? Maybe, maybe both. But, but seriously, awesome investigation. <laughs> sure, uh, investigation. I was sneaking suspicion there's nothing here about bones to loot. Thirteen. Yeah, you find some silver. In the outside world, it would be worth stealing. You don't know if it's worth anything in Ilium. Yeah, I mean that's the, I mean that's the thing. We we don't have we there's no coins, so I need things. Also, I feel like he'd just want them for like his own like yeah. personal use, because if they're fancy enough. Okay, yeah, I want to steal some silverware. Alright, add it to your equipment. You Pocket as much silverware as you can without affecting your stealth, I guess. Unless you want to. <laughs> I'm going to say I get a salad fork, a dinner fork, a soup spoon, a dinner knife, a butter knife, a carving knife, a lobster pick, an oyster fork, and a salad knife. <laughs> Did you have that list prepared before we started? Yup. <laughs> <laughs> That's just his grocery list for tomorrow, so. Oh, and I also want a toasting fork. So I'm going to get all these forks. All right. You're totally, you're totally forking loaded down. Thank you. All right. Anybody else? Uh, I'd like to think that Zoe like eventually like gets up and like dusts off her knees and then kind of like walks over to Roland and like does that thing like tugging on like the side of his fancy prince, prince robes coat? to be like, yeah, his prince coat. She's like, uh, I might have something I need to tell you. <laughs> what is it, Zoe? So I may have caused something outside. Is it bad? It's not good. <laughs> that's that's not answering my question. Is it bad? Um. You can just say what it is, Zoe. Why don't you just look outside the window? <laughs> <sighs> fine, fine. It can't be that bad. I want to check out uh, that magical staircase. All right. I mean, when you float over in your misty form the same thing happens to you that happened to bumper shoot is there like a i want to bump into the walls to see if they're real walls or if i can pass through them because they're fake illusion walls uh nope it appears to be these are this is a physical staircase okay it's just uh something magical is going on that makes it infinite okay so i can't like phase through it and plays a musical loop every time you go up 
<laughs> I'm trying to think. Is there any indications of there being a downstairs in this place relative to the first floor? Yeah, I mean, you don't know this, but Theodora found the basement. Mm. So, like, yes, there is a, there is a door that leads to a basement. Okay. There's also a door that leads to mm-hmm. a master bedroom, which you also don't know, but you could easily find out. This isn't, like, a labyrinth or anything. You could find out with a quick walk around. The doors are locked, and Theodora was only able to get in because she's gaseous, but she also wasn't able to thoroughly investigate because she wasn't able to move anything. I um, actually want to go back to that uh, dusty room. Which one's that? Uh, the master, the, the real dusty one. All right, so you're going to float back to the master bedroom? Okay, and I want to see, is it locked from the inside so that if I didn't become material, I could let myself out? You're saying if you turned back into flesh, could you unlock it from the inside? Yes. So I want to I want to fuck around in there with more stuff. You're going to have to use a little bit more descriptive language than that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I was about to explain. I was just letting you know. Okay, I'm going to de-ga- de-gas. Your gaseous form comes back together, and you are now Theodora the Nixie again. And, um, I want to go look in the closet again and see if there's anything in any of the pockets of the stuff. Anything interesting. All right, why don't you just roll investigation to Sherlock this room? Okay, works for me. 21. Suck on that. Ooh. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) So you rifle through all the pockets, you start going through the drawers, you get under the bed, and you actually find a lot more this time now that you're moving stuff. First thing you find that's important under a pile of clothes, there are boxes in the closet. And in these boxes, there are like keepsakes and, and things like that. So there are portraits of two people. Uh, there are portraits of like a man and a woman uh, at various times in their lives. You see them as like younger, uh, a younger couple. You see them as like middle-aged. You see them as old and they're always like happy and smiling. There seem to be the kind of thing that rich people sit for, for like anniversaries you find in there a bunch of knickknacks that you really don't know the value or meaning of just like little things that people collect throughout their lives. Um, they don't seem to be like magic or particularly valuable beyond the sentimental. You find in the dresser um, some jewelry and one piece of which really stands out to you because it's a wedding ring. And that one has like a big gem on it that looks uh, particularly valuable or important. It doesn't, it doesn't just look like jewelry for fashion. It looks meaningful in some other way. I'm going to pocket it. All right, you pocket, you want to add that to your equipment, you have wedding ring. And then under the bed, once again, there's a bunch of stuff down here you couldn't really look through because you couldn't move it, but because they're like binders and folders and stuff, it's paperwork. But now that you have fingers, you can look through it, and it's uh, notes, like scientific notes mm-hmm. um, that you, you don't really know what all of it means, but it's like something, something, calcium, something, something, boiling point, something, something, alchemy. Can I pocket those too? Mm. Yeah, you can take notes, scientific notes, add that to your inventory if you want. Uh, but those are the three things you find of value in this room. Of value and note are portraits of two people. He, they're human, dark-skinned humans, man and a woman. Uh, you find a wedding ring, which you took, and scientific notes, which you took. I'm also going to take the just one of the portraits with both of them in it, but like the smallest one. All right. So you have portraits, wedding ring, and scientific notes. Yeah, I'm taking it all, just in case. You never know. All right, you have them. Thanks. You're welcome. I have a, I have a couple things uh, I want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, I want to retroactively say I also took a caviar spoon, a dessert spoon, <laughs> a grapefruit spoon, uh, and a pie fork. Um, anyway, um, I also want to go over to Nim. Mm-hmm. Lady Nim. That's how everyone addresses her, as if Lady was her first name. You don't actually know if she is uh, titled in any way like you are, Mr. Viscount. 
Mumbershoot has uh, heard of her before or seen her before? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. She is the godfather. <laughs> um, in that case, Bumbershoot wants to go over to her. Um, but they have. Let me let me rephrase this. Have they met formally, or they, do they just know of each other? I think she probably has heard of you mm-hmm. through reputation because you're one of the two bounty hunting people in the town, and she is a crimer. Okay. <laughs> she does. She does crimes. Okay. So she probably has you on her radar. Yeah. Okay, but they've never like met formally. Correct. You guys have not met. Right, okay. In that case, um, Bumbershoot is going to go over to her uh, and introduce himself in the same way that he did um, uh, Hatman. The the wizard. Sorry. I'm sorry. You know I gotta hear that voice again. <laughs> I have to every time. Okay. Yep. Every time. Yeah, I know. That's fine. Um, pardon me. I just wanted to introduce myself. My name is Bumbershoot Von Victrola. And he extends his hand. Yeah, I'll take... Uh, do you have any of the corn dogs Or... I guess if you have any, like, ladyfinger sandwiches, that's fine. I think you may have mistaken mistake me for one of the skeletons. I'm Viscount Bumbershoot Von Vitrola. <laughs> should I, uh, should I care? Bumbershoot, um, I want to size her up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to roll, uh, I want to roll perception to see, um... Insight, if you want to learn. Perception is using your senses, like, if you want to listen to her <laughs> or see how she tastes. That makes sense. It's, it's the same negative modifier anyway, but yeah. Fifteen. Fifteen? You you think she does know who you are, and she is deliberately snubbing you. Okay. It's a power play. It's a power move. She's she's doing a Trump handshake on you right now. Oh, God. So mean. Um, With my insight, can I also tell whether or not she's really powerful, or is she just awful? She could probably uh, wave her hand, and you would cease to exist. <laughs> I'm sort of like I'm sort of like debating what I should do right now. I mean, you can start yourself with her. I'm not gonna just gonna kill your character outright. It's just for flavor. No, I understand. I understand, but um, again, I'm, I'm trying to play Bummer Shoot as the kind of person who does who uh, fights indirectly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I'm gonna say Bummer Shoot. He basically, like I said, he he's he's um he's not passive, but he doesn't like to start fights. But after being insulted twice by the only other befleshed uh, party guests, which I guess means 100% of the people have been shitty to him. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, Garrick wasn't mean to you. He just said something that he didn't know was going to offend you. He seemed like per- perfectly nice. It still counts to him to bummer shoot. Also, he doesn't know this, but Dora was purposefully bumping into him to be a dick. So, Yeah, yeah. That's true. Everyone, everyone has shot on Bumbershoot tonight. I'm gonna say that that is enough to, um, I wouldn't say anger him, but like he he sort of like screws up his courage and sort of like shoulder bumps her as he walks past and to look for the Roland. So you you deliberately bump into her as you pass. Oh yes. All right. <laughs> she kind of chuckles under her breath, and as you're walking away, you hear a snap behind you, like fingers snapping. And suddenly, Bumbershoot Von Victrola, the fanciest vampire of Fangsylvania, is falling. Where? What do you mean? <laughs> you're falling up. I don't like that. Yeah. One minute you're walking away having uh, having slighted someone who, you, who was being very rude. And the second, you are falling and then you slam into the ceiling. Meanwhile... 
Oh, what a feeling. You're falling to the ceiling. Uh, meanwhile, Theodora is gathering evidence to the master bedroom to complete the mission, and Roland Hawklight and Zoe Legrand are going to the window where Zoe teleported in. And Zoe, I think you have something something to confess and show. Some show and tell, maybe? So, um, I maybe tried to cast something when I was outside, and you understand that with wild magic, things are unintentional, right? Like, it's- I'm not trying to cause weird things to happen. We had this discussion before, Zoe. You know this. Okay. So with that in mind, I feel as though you can't be angry with me when you see what may have been created when I tried to cast a spell out there. Trying to preempt it is only going to make it worse. Just come out with it, alright? What is it? Um, so there may be a rampaging air elemental attacking all the skeletons that are guarding this house? And possibly more people? I didn't really stay around to check. And now that there are no more skeletons for the air elemental to rip apart, it is looking for (laughs) new victims. And as you guys peer out the window, it peers back at you, changes course, and starts coming towards the house. This raging man-shaped tornado, and it is going to go directly through the window and into the party. The only question is, do you guys get out of the way, try to stop it, run? Um, Roland, Roland is going to push Zoe aside, uh-huh. grab the whip uh, that he has in his hand, wheel it out, and invoke his channel divinity to make the weapon magical, so he can actually hurt the elemental, if needed. Mm-hmm. And he's just going to mutter under his breath, it's like, uh, time to whip this party into shape, I guess. As always, I'd like to thank Overclocked Remix for our music, which includes Acoustic Jam at the Lucifer Alpha, an arrangement of Biohazard from Snatcher, Simply Be Grooved, an arrangement of Simple and Clean from Kingdom Hearts, and In the Beginning There Was Jazz, an arrangement of Beginning from Castlevania. Executive producers for the month of April 2017 are Kirstine Haslinger, Extellaris, Joseph Timbrello, Andrew Grothen, Jade. The Cult of Gorfanax, Irving Royale, Paul Mullen, Finch DeYoung, Arjun DeConing, Luke Powers, Michael Goodell, Brent, Ripter Stormwolf, Miko Kurjo Kangas, Dennis Bengston, Josh Mosier, Endigo Van Dane, James Bevan, Allison Ansel, Sidney Marsing, Just a Jester, John Potts, Kevin Dobbins, Savarden Akrisimova, Carl, Brady Warner, Kitty Foe, James Neely, Eugene T., Marissa Donaldson, Melanie Joe, Lana Seawolf, Toby Gleason Stack, Ruby Offer, Matthew Weber, Sarah Hanley, Melissa Booker, Cameron Abbas, Dylan, Gary Sayon, Anna Stuhlfarer, Sean the Host of Funk Dunk, Giorgio Renna, Harrison Andrew, Kevin Sidlow, Christopher Charlo, Jorit, 
Viger Arnston, Cody Jackson, August Rue, Athos, and Ingmar Gremmen. If you want to be added to this list, you can support the show at patreon.com slash and you can support Leon at patreon.com slash renegadecut, and you can also find Chris at patreon.com slash recap. You can also help out by finding us on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever else you found the show, and liking, rating, or leaving a comment. Every little bit helps, and word of mouth is the only way anyone ever finds out about us. What would an ad for this show even sound like? Yes, come listen to a video game critic pretend to be a lesbian elf. Actually, there's probably a market for that.